the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of St. Luke chapter number 24. The book of St. Luke chapter number 24. We're going to read verse number 47. Verse 47 only this morning as we begin. Luke chapter number 24. Reading verse number 47. The Bible says that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. This morning I want to talk to you for a little bit about the what, where, and why of missions. Father, I thank you that, God, that you have given us a missions heart. God, I know that is your heart, and I thank you that you have given us your heart. Thank you for this people that have, uh, Lord, they they have our heart and they have your heart as well. God, I pray, Lord, as we make a a challenge, Lord, today and and Wednesday and next Sunday. God, I just pray, Lord, for those that, Lord, they've never, never accepted the challenge. They've never accepted the challenge. I pray today will be the day when this dream is birthed in their heart as well. Father, may we do more for you than we have ever done before. God, let your anointing rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. All for the glory of God, we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. I believe in missions. I believe that missions is the very heartbeat of God. Now, you may think that missions started with the Great Commission, but missions did not start with the Great Commission. Missions started when God sent the first missionary. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whoever would believe upon him would not perish but have eternal life. I believe in missions. Let me tell you something else that I believe this morning. I believe that the true strength and success of a local church can be discovered by examining the mission's budget. A little help would help a little bit this morning. My number one and my number two, amen, are are gone this morning, so I need extra help this morning. I personally believe, after 40 years of full-time ministry, I, I totally believe that the guarantee of success in a local church... I I don't think it's found in buildings. I don't think it's found in programs. I don't think it's found in personnel. I don't think it can be found in the cool factor. And all of these things are important. And I believe in all of these things. And I believe that every one of these things have their part to play. But I believe that if you want to guarantee the local church will have success, capture God's heart and God's heart is missions. An artist was asked to paint a portrait of a dying church. And when he finished painting this picture of this dying church, everybody was absolutely in shock. Everyone thought that he would, he would paint the picture of an old, run-down, rickety shack of a building with broken windows and half of the roof blown off and a, and a tottering steeple. Instead, he painted a new, modern, fancy church. 
But inside this fancy church building, there was, a, there was a little table over in the corner, out of the way, very obscure. And there was an empty offering box sitting on this table with cobwebs all over it. And there was a small sign that sat beside this neglected offering box that read, Missions. You see, to this artist, a dying church had little to do with its facilities. It had little to do with its programs. It had little to do with the size of the congregation. But to this artist, at least, a dying church was a church that had forgotten its purpose. Now, I'm going to say something this morning, and, and, and it, could, it could come off like I'm trying to brag this morning. Please, please, I am not... T- giving this this morning to try and brag. I just want to tell you what I know by experience. Every church that I have pastored the last 40 years has grown. Some have doubled, some have tripled, some have quadrupled in size. Buildings have been built, equipment have been bought, debt has been paid off, ministries have been updated and new ministries established. Say, Pastor, what's the secret? Missions. Missions. I have always promoted missions. And when I have left a church that has grown and buildings have been built and programs have been established and, and, and updated, when I have left a church, the churches that, that, re, the, the churches that remained missions-minded stayed strong. A couple of churches that stopped their focus on missions collapsed. Let me tell you this morning that as long as I am lead pastor of this church, missions will be our heartbeat. And I believe that if we will make missions our heartbeat, that this church will keep growing and moving forward. Let me tell you this morning, and please write this down, and if you're in a leadership, please remember this, when I am gone, whenever that might be, but when I am gone, if you want this church to stay strong, if you want this church to keep moving forward, you better find you a lead pastor that has a heart for missions. I will go to my grave believing this. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about the what, the where, and the why of missions. So let's begin with the what. What is missions? Well, for the sake of time, let me answer this question in simplicity. To me, missions is twofold. First of all, missions is saving people. Saving people. Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus said, He who who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Missions is about making sure that every single person on planet earth has an opportunity to hear the message of salvation, to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Now, whether we go ourselves or whether we send someone or whether we do both, every Christian should be involved in missions. But not only is missions saving people, but missions is also helping people. 
helping people. You see, people have physical needs as well as they have spiritual needs. Now, if you and I are not careful, we in America will begin to think that everyone in the world lives like we do. Truth of the matter is, everybody sitting in this room today is rich. You want to see some rich folk today? Just look around. Every single person sitting in this room today is rich. The poorest person in this room this morning is rich in comparison to how most of the world lives. Did you know that over half of the world lives on a dollar or two a day? I mean, that's less than the cost of a cup of coffee at Starbucks. I mean, you throw that away on your way to work. And for half or more of the world, that's their whole day's wages. Hey, in America Day, Americans today won't even drink water unless it comes out of a plastic bottle. Who ever thought 20 years ago that Americans would spend two bucks on a plastic bottle of water? And yet, most of the world today would be thrilled to just have a well that they could draw from. And much of the sickness and the disease that is in our world today is due to drinking impure, polluted water. What is missions? Missions is about helping people and all all the needs are absolutely limitless. Oh, oh, whether it is drilling them a water well. Oh, can you imagine what a blessing it would be if we could drill water wells for those that have impure water? The needs are just... Boundless, oh, oh, clothing, clothing them, or, or, or providing food for people, or building shelter, or, or, or sending medical supplies, or doctors, or nurses, uh, oh, or building them schools, or, or teaching them a trade. Oh, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. See, this is what we need to understand this morning. Meeting a physical need of somebody often opens the door to meeting their spiritual need. When you meet a physical need for someone, it makes you credible. They now see you in a different light. They begin to warm up to you because you have met a need in their life. And because you have met a physical need in their life, they are much more likely to listen and to hear and to believe your message. Let's read some scripture to solidify what I'm saying. Proverbs 19 and 17 says that if you help the poor, you lend to the Lord and he will repay you. Galatians 6 and 10 says wherever or whenever you have the opportunity, you should do good to everybody, but especially to those who are members of the family of faith. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says that if, if someone has enough food to live well and they see a brother or a sister in need but they show no compassion, how, how can God's love be in that person? It goes on to say, dear children, let us not merely say that we love one another but let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. What is missions? Well, in simplicity, missions is saving people. Missions is helping people. You might ask, Pastor, where? Where is 
missions. Let's talk about that just for a moment. Where is missions? Well, let me suggest, first of all, it's at home. It's at home. You know, you don't have to go very far to discover the potential, the need, the possibility for missions. Now, when most people think of missions, they think of Africa, or they think of Asia, or they think of Mexico, or some other foreign land. And missions is across the ocean. But it is also across the street. Jesus commanded us to be involved in missions. But it's interesting where Jesus said we are to begin. Our text, Luke 24 and 47, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning, say beginning. Beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus said start at home and then reach out. Acts 1 and 8 says you you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Where did Jesus say to begin? In Jerusalem. Jesus said start at home. Start where you are. You know as a pastor who is also a father. uh, If I won the entire world for God and yet I lost my own family. I would feel like a failure. Am I called to help reach the entire world? Absolutely. But my number one priority is my own family. So let us not go to Africa and Asia and Mexico while at the very same time ignoring the missions opportunities that are at our very door. Like the junior high and high school campus. What an incredible mission field in the junior high and high school campus. That's the time when we start losing our kids to the church. How about the college campus? Thank God for Chi Alpha. That's not missions. They don't live in a hut. And take a boat or plane to their mission field. Let me tell you, there's possibly no greater mission field than the college campus. How about the homeless? How about the orphans and the unwanted peoples of our society? They are missions. How about the kids of our own church families that oh that are in rebellion and headed down the wrong path? How about the people in our own church who who have lost their jobs and have no way of paying their rent or putting food on the table for their family? Galatians 6 and 10 that I read a moment ago said that people who are members of the family of faith should have first priority for help from the church. I think it interesting that some people in the church are all for helping the heathen. Oh, oh, they will dig down in their pocketbook and give to Africa or Asia or Mexico. Oh, oh, they are all for helping the heathen. But but all these same people get upset when church funds are dispersed to help families in in, in our own church who have legitimate needs. 
Yet when the Bible plainly says that people that are members of the family of faith should have first priority to church funds. Where is missions? It's at home. You know, there once was a day when the church had to go to the world. Today, the world has come to us. A host of people from every nation in the world arrive in America every single day. Some legal. Some are good swimmers. But they come. Did you know there are over 100 different nationalities represented at UTA? Right up the road. Over 100 nationalities represented at our own local college. The world has come to us. And many will come here and they will get their education and many will stay, but many will go back home. And what if, just what if their education included learning about Jesus Christ and what he did for them on the cross? What if some of them got saved and they took their knowledge of Jesus Christ and their knowledge of the cross, they took it back with them to their their native homeland? Where is missions? At home. Every single day we cross paths with hurting people. Every single day we cross paths with people who need Jesus. Oh, we must be aware this morning that yes, yes, missions is across the ocean. But our friend, it is also across the street. Where is missions? Well, not only is it at home, it is also abroad. Acts 1 and 8 again, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. It saddens me to have to tell you that over one half of our world today has yet to hear the name Jesus. have yet to receive an adequate presentation of the gospel. And yet, the American church squabbles. They squabble over their preference in music and whether to be traditional or be contemporary. They agonize over style. When they should be agonizing over souls. I heard recently of a church, sad to say, an Assemblies of God church, recently I heard about, that lost three families to their church. What happened, Pastor? Did the the pastor have a moral failure? No. What happened, Pastor? Did the secretary embezzle money? No. What happened in the church, Pastor? That in a small, small church, three families left the church. I'll tell you what happened. The church voted 
to replace the pews with chairs. Really? Really? What difference does it make? Pastor, I don't like you in jeans. Where's your suit and tie? Well, when the pastor started wearing ties initially, the church didn't like it because it was worldly. And now that we take them off, they don't like it. Really? Really? You're going to leave the church because the church decided to take out the pews and put in some chairs? And what's funny is they'll probably go to another church that has chairs. Let me ask you this morning, is the 11th commandment, thou shalt have pews in thy church? Is the 11th commandment, thou shalt have a steeple and stained glass? Or is it, thou shalt sing amazing grace like Peter and Paul did? Really? Really? You know, if I ever quit before my time, it'll be because of stupid stuff like that. Come on. Really? Listen, one half of our world has never been presented with the message of Jesus Christ. Listen to me this morning. The church has too much work to do to waste its time on unimportant things like personal preference and silly traditions that have been handed down. Mark 7 and 13 says, you make the word of God ineffective. How could you make the word of God that is so incredibly powerful? How could you make the word of God ineffective? Jesus said, you make the word of God ineffective by your, tra- by your traditions that you hand down. And people, there are, there are people in the church today, I'm talking about the church universal that care more about their little silly tradition that was handed down to them. They don't even have a clue why it's even done. And they are more uh, upset about their tradition uh, being changed than they are about the Word of God. Listen, the church needs to stop fighting each other. And the church needs to join hands and fight the devil. And yet instead, the, ch- the church today oh, oh, wants to get into a holy huddle every Sunday morning and they want to lick their wounds and they want to hope and pray for the Lord to come back and get them out of everything. Hear me this morning. If you really want Jesus to come, if you really want Jesus to return, you'll get involved in missions. Because Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Where? 
Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom will be, pre- be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. How many nations? To all nations. And then the end will come. When? Then. Friend, we have an enormous task before us. We have a world to reach with the message of Jesus and the cross. But you might think, Pastor, how, how can our church of 350 people on a Sunday morning, how, how can 350 people on a Sunday morning, 450 adherents, how can we make a difference if over the half of the world has never had a, the message of Jesus? How can we do it? Well, the good news is we don't have to do this alone. The good news is God will not hold us accountable for the whole job. But he will hold us accountable for our part. Please indulge me to tell a story that I've told two or three times before. But it just, I just have to tell it. I'm just compelled to tell it. I just love the story. It has such great impact. And there will be some today that will hear it for the very first time. I love the story of the older gentleman who was walking along the beach and he comes across a little boy who's picking up starfish and throwing them back into the water. And the older gentleman interrupts the little boy and says, son, what are you doing? He says, I'm picking up these starfish and I'm throwing them back in the water. And the older gentleman said, why in the world are you doing that for? And the little boy said, because if I don't, they'll die. And the older gentleman said to the little boy, but son, son, take a look at how long this beach is, son. There are millions and millions and millions of starfish along this beach, son. There is absolutely no way that you can save every one of them. And the little boy thought for just a moment. And then he looked down at the starfish that was in his hand. And he said, no, sir, but I can save this one. Listen, there's absolutely no way that new Bethel soon to be the grace place. There's no way that you and I can get the message of Jesus Christ all by ourselves to over 4 billion people that have never had an adequate representation of the message of Jesus Christ. There's no way, but oh, oh, the starfish that is in our hand. Oh, oh, the capability that we have. We can do something with what we've got. No, New Bethel can't save the world all by itself, but we can do our part. And let me tell you, do our part, we are. I don't want all this to be negative this morning. I've got some positive. I've got some encouraging. I've got some wonderful news this morning. We are doing our part. Last year, New Bethel Church, we gave over $165,000 to missions. I'm told that in the Assemblies of God, for every dollar invested, you can get three souls. I, we also have a, a, a missionary evangelist that we support. He says for every dollar you give him, he'll get four people saved. So $165,000 times three translates into 495,000 souls that are in the kingdom of God this past year because of us. 
In the past five years, New Bethel Church has given nearly $700,000. $700,000 times three is over two million souls. Two million people will go to heaven and not go to hell because of us. And last year we began a five-year dream. I call it Dream 135, which represents $1 million. We will give $1 million. That will translate into 3 million souls. And we're going to do it in five years' time. No, we cannot reach 4 billion people, but we can do our part. We can join hands with other missions-minded churches, and together we can get the job done. Where is missions? Well, missions is at home and missions is abroad. Missions is across the ocean, but missions is also across the street. All right, we've talked about the what and the where. Now let's talk a little bit about the why. Why missions? Pastor, we have a $3 million church Three million dollar church to build and pay for next door. Why are we talking about missions? Pastor, should we not focus on our own need first? Let me tell you. The main, say main. Not the only, but the main reason why I am building a bigger building is so I can reach more people right here. And then when I reach more people right here, it gives me a broader base. And I will use the resources of those people. And we'll reach more people through missions. See, in my daily prayer time, I tell God, God, you know, you can trust us with the money. You can trust us with the people. We know what we're called to do and we're going to do it. You can trust us. Let me answer this question this morning. Why missions? Let me give you four answers. Number one, because people are lost. Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one, no one, no one comes to the Father unless they come through me. Why missions? Because people are lost. Lots and lots and lots and lots and millions and billions of people are lost. More people are lost. That are saved. Four plus billion people are lost. Why missions? Because people are lost. Why missions? Because lost people go to hell. Lost people go to hell. Psalm 9 and 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget. God. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Verses 9 and 10. 
says, do you not know? Do you not know this? Are you not aware of this? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not? Will what? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And Revelation 20 and 15 says that anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, I I know that we don't like to think about or talk about it this morning, but friend, that doesn't make it go away. Hell is real. As much as heaven is real, hell is real. I don't like it. Honestly, I don't understand it. I don't. I'd be lying if I told you I did. But I believe it because I believe this book. That's what this book says. And I've tried to find a loophole. I can't find it. Luke chapter 16. Nothing could be more clear than Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 24. I'm just going to read it. It says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am tormented in this Why missions? Because people are lost and lost people go to hell. Why missions? Because lost people can be saved. Romans 6 and 23, the wages or penalty for sin is death. Oh, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our I have some good news and I have some bad news for you this morning. The good news is, the good news is God has the gift of salvation available to every single person on planet earth. The bad news is, four billion people know nothing at all about God's gift. Why missions? Because people are lost. Because lost people go to hell. Because lost people can be saved. Why missions? Because lost people are counting on us. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. 
verse 13 through 15. Paul writes and he says, For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that wonderful? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, but verse 14 says, but how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will the preacher preach unless he is sent? Friend, God has done his part. He sent his son. Jesus, the son of God, did his part. He died on the cross. Now, it's up to us. It's up to us. The plan is in place. The gift of salvation is available. Missionaries are willing to go. It's up to us. It's up to us to send them. Will you help me? Will you help me? Every single year, I stand up here and I pour my heart out to you. And every single year, the same people respond. Some of you have experienced five, six, seven, eight or more missions conventions. And yet you have never responded financially. I might not make it 10 more years. I might be celebrating my time out of here on April the 14th. Thank you, brother. That's why I made you a member. Let me just ask you this morning. Will this be the year when you catch the vision? Will this be the year when you get on board? Will this be the year when you respond? Because you see, as awesome and as incredible as $165,000 given to missions last year, and it is, it's awesome, awesome. But it could be double that. It could. Because a handful of us get it to a hundred grand. Just a handful of us. A dozen of us get it to a hundred grand. A dozen out of 400 get it to a hundred grand. Is this your year? This year, don't do it for me. You've already proven you're not going to do it for me. Don't do it for me. Do it for God. 
Give it, do it for souls. Do it for yourself. My wife's not here, so I won't get in trouble. Because anytime I say anything about what we're doing, she don't like it. And I don't like it either because I know people and somebody, hey, he's bragging. I'm not, I just want you to know I'm not doing anything I don't ask you to do. My wife and I this past year, we're, we're on a, a triple tithe, okay? A regular tithe, a missions tithe, and a building fund tithe, all right? Let me tell you something. We're doing just fine. Well, you must make a lot of money. Well, hey, I do all right, but it's not that. Give, and it will be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Give to the poor, and you're lending to the Lord, and He will repay. You come way too late to tell me you can't afford to tithe or you can't afford to give. I can't afford not to. Amen? Is this going to be your day? Is this going to be the day when you say, you know what, I'm going to capture that heart? And can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? I'll never forget, and I've told this story before, but I'll never forget when I left Elk City, Oklahoma to go pioneer a church in Midland. One of my men in the church came up to me when I left, and he said, Pastor, don't you go down there to that Midland and start that church and get all nicey. He said, it works. What you do works. And you don't go down there and get all nicey. You go down there and you be yourself. And he said, don't you ever back up preaching about money, giving, tithing, missions. Don't you ever back up from that. He said, because, Pastor, when you get to heaven, people are going to come from all over heaven, and they're going to thank you for every dollar you ever got out of their pocket, got in the plate, because they're going to be rewarded. So don't you get all nicey. And don't you back up one inch. You just keep going for it, Pastor. How many think I took his advice? (laughs) Amen. Braden, would you come this morning? Probably just you will be fine this morning. Father, I just pray today that you will take this word this morning, Lord, that, that we have shared. Father, it's your word. It's your heart. It's also our heart. It's also our heart. And it's the heartbeat of this church. And I pray that it will always be. Father, I just pray that you'll speak to the heart of your people today. You'll speak to the heart of the people today. And they'll do for you what they've never done before. In Jesus' name. Two things that I need done in this missions convention. Number one, we're going to receive 